Sup, guys? Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. This is your host, Reed Gilson. Another episode of the Sup Guys podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Going to be another fun-filled Wednesday for us all. Uh, tonight is the All-Star Game. AL versus NL, baby. And then last night was a huge night because it was the Home Run Derby. We've been talking about it all throughout the podcast. Who we think is going to end up being in the Home Run Derby. Who do we think is going to win the Home Run Derby. Talking about past Home Run Derby winners. Last night was definitely a huge night for home runs. They broke the record for most home runs hit in a home run derby 341 total home runs were hit i mean i know there were some changes where they've added people to the home run derby and they changed the formats but 341 home runs still a lot of home runs to hit in one night especially it was a crazy fun night just tanks everywhere just dropping bombs so the lineup for the home run derby last night luis robert jr went up against adley rushman and then Adolis Garcia went up against Randy Rosarina. And then Vladimir Guerrero went up against Mookie Betts. And then Pete Alonso went up against Julio Rodriguez. So those were the four first-round matchups. Luis Robert Jr. ended up squeaking by Adley Rushman with 28 home runs compared to Rushman's 27. That was wild to see because Luis Robert Jr., he's leading the league in home runs right now. So he should be the favorite to win it all or one of the favorites. But young Adley Rushman, he did the power move with being a switch hitter. He went from left side of the plate to the right side. It was just a huge power move. Crazy to see. Loved watching it. So props to you, Adley. Love seeing wild stuff like that happen in a home run derby. Love the confidence. Adolis Garcia, he was kind of my sleeper in the home run derby so far this year. Adolis Garcia has just been a tank of a dude just blasting the ball this season. And then he went up against Randy Rosarina. So that's another guy who, I mean, I feel like they're very comparable. Randy has just been blasting the ball as well for Tampa Bay. Big bat. So that was a great, that was one of my favorite matchups going into it. Rosarina ended up beating Garcia. He ended up actually beating Luis Robert Jr. the next round to go into the championship. So Rosarina, he had himself a night. Seeing him go to the championship was really cool to see. On the other side of the bracket, we had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going against Mookie Betts. That was an interesting matchup because Betts was a guy I was not envisioning who would make the home run derby. Hell of a bat. One of the best players in the league for sure. But I, he doesn't, to me, he just doesn't look like a home run hitter. But he, he hit plenty of home runs. Vladimir Guerrero just hit more. So Guerrero Jr. ends up advancing past the first round. And then Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez. Uh, if you don't know Julio Rodriguez, he plays for the Seattle Mariners and just hits tanks all season long. He may, went to the Home Run Derby last year, made it to the championship, and lost. Well, Julio Rodriguez came back with a vengeance, ended up beating Pete Alonso in the first round. And not only beating Pete Alonso, who to me was the favorite to win the Home Run Derby this year and possibly his third home run derby. But Julio Rodriguez also set a new record for most home runs hit in one session. 
in one round, Julio Rodriguez hit 41 home runs. That is a crap ton of home runs. I mean, Luis Robert Jr., he hit 28 in his first round. So 41 compared to 28 is a huge difference. So Julio Rodriguez, that's amazing. 41 home runs is just massive. The second round was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. versus Julio Rodriguez. Julio just couldn't repeat it that second round. So Vladdy Jr. ended up beating him, going to the championship. So the championship was Vladdy versus Rosarina. It was a fun matchup to watch. And a Rosarina, I was pulling for you, dude. But Vladdy Jr., he ended up just taking it. First time ever that a father and son have both won the home run derby. Because, you know, years ago, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., his dad, won the home run derby. So now Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just won it. So first father-son duo to ever win it. Really cool to see. It's like a full circle moment because I've seen clips of when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was a kid. He'd go to the all-star break with his dad, watch him play. And he it's just really cool to see him as a kid watching his dad win the home run derby. And then now he's in the league winning the home run derby himself. So it was just really big full circle moment. But yeah, like I said, 341 total home runs, most ever hit in a home run derby. Uh, Vladdy hit 40 in 2019 in one round. So Julio Rodriguez hitting 41 in one round beat Vladdy Jr.'s old record. So 41 home runs, that's that's just a, a lot of home runs in one round for the home run derby. But it was a really exciting night. I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Not all the people that I thought were going to be in it end up making it, but it was still a heck of a lineup. I love seeing these guys play, so I was happy with it, and it was just a really fun night, really fun to watch. One of my favorite nights in baseball is the home run derby. Now tonight, AL versus NL, baby. The All-Star game is finally here. So both both leagues have amazing lineups. I'll run through them here in a minute. Both leagues have amazing lineups, have great pitching, but I think the AL's got it. The American League, they just have some of the best players in the league that just makes it really tough to beat. So I, I always root for the National League because the Cubs are a National League team. And you know me, I've always been a Cubs fan. But the American League's just, especially this year, I feel like on a whole nother level. American League's just awesome. So starting out with the American League lineup to start, uh, their starting pitcher for the night is going to be Garrett Cole for New York. Amazing arm there. And then Jonah Heim behind the plate, a catcher. Yandy Diaz from Tampa Bay at first. Marcus Simeon from Ta- from Texas at second. Josh Jung from Texas at third. Corey Seager from Texas at short. Then outfielder Mike Trout, Randy Rosarina, and then Aaron Judge. And then Shohei Otani, DHing. So that's having Shohei Otani on that team as a DH and then also in the rotation to be a pitcher as well tonight. That's just... <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just crazy to have the best, arguably the best player to ever play the game 
on your team. I mean, that just takes a team to a whole nother level. So that's one hell of a lineup. I don't think they're going to be beat tonight, but we'll see what happens. Everybody better tune in, see what, see how it goes down. A lot of Texas players in this starting lineup. Let me just say that. Jonah Heim, Semyon, Josh Jung, Corey Seager. I mean, that's four Texas Rangers in the starting lineup. I was really surprised to see that, but – Texas, I mean, they're having a year this year. They're they're doing it. They're getting the job done. So we'll see if they could take it into the playoffs. Going on the National League side, here's their lineup. It's still an amazing lineup. I love it. I think it's definitely going to be a tough, hard-fought game. But starting pitching, Zach Gallen from Arizona. Hell of a pitcher, young guy. Love seeing him be the starter this year. Behind the plate, Sean Murphy from Atlanta. First base, Freddie Freeman. Second base, Luis Arez with Miami. Third base, Nolan Arenado. Shortstop, Orlando Arcia from Atlanta. And then outfield, Acuna Jr. Outfield, Mookie Betts. Outfield, Corbin Carroll from Arizona. And then DH, J.D. Martinez. So kind of like how the AL has a lot of Texas players. The NL has a lot of Atlanta and former Atlanta players. They got Sean Murphy, still with Atlanta. Orlando Arcia with Atlanta. Acuna Jr. with Atlanta. And then they also got Freddie Freeman, who is an ex-Brave. So they technically got four current and past Braves on their team. So National League, very Brave-heavy. They're being brave, but... Yeah, it's still a hell of a lineup. It's going to be a really interesting game to watch. Definitely some big pitching out there. But, hey, everybody tune in. It's tonight, so check it out. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. But my opinion, I see the AL taking it all. That's what's going to happen. If I'm wrong, give me shit. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's that's the All-Star break going on. I'm excited for the games to start back up, though. I'm kind of ready for the All-Star break to be over. Home Run Derby is my favorite thing to watch. The All-Star game's fun, but the Home Run Derby is by far my favorite. But I'm, I'm ready for the games to start again, because especially this weekend, me and my guys are taking a guy's trip, and we're going up to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's playing the Brewers this weekend. It's going to be a big matchup, a big series, because top two teams in the NL Central right now Reds and Brewers so it's it's gonna be really exciting to see them just duke it out and I'm really excited to see Ellie De La Cruz in person again I watched him play triple-a for the little bats just a couple weeks before he got moved up to Cincinnati I mean watching him out on the field it just looks like a man amongst boys he's just a massive player he just just looking at him you're like that dude's an athlete that dude is just a hoss and He's killing it right now. I heard that they actually asked him to be in the home run derby and asked him if he wanted to, but I, the response I saw on Instagram was that he was just interested in focusing on the season this year, which good for him. I'm excited for that, but I don't know if that's really what he said, so I'm not taking it for whatever. I, I'm just taking it with a grain of salt, but Ellie De La Cruz, if he was in that home run derby, it'd be even better. Yes, seeing a young guy like that just crushing the ball, just so cool. But I'm excited to see him in person this week, so that's definitely going to be a really big series. 
And then, of course, the Cubbies, they're kind of squeaking up there. You never know if the Brewers start slipping. They could squeak up past the Brewers. Could be Reds, Cubbies there fighting it out at the end of the season. But, of course, we got to wait till after All-Star break to see if that actually happens. That's everything going on right now with the All-Star break this week. This week. Now, moving on to some sports updates. I wanted to update you all. Um, I know not everybody is Big Ten fans or even Northwestern fans because, really, Northwestern football. Who Have you ever met a Northwestern fan, really, outside of Chicago? Not really. But Northwestern definitely is a pretty well-known program. News today, Pat Fitzgerald just got fired crazy to see because Pat Fitzgerald is one of them coaches especially at Northwestern it's almost like he has a lifetime contract there when you think Northwestern football you think Pat Fitzgerald he was a hell of a coach I mean great guy super nice dude I I liked him as a coach personally but he just it's he got fired mostly because of these hazing allegations that are going on so that's the main thing just got to take control of your team and just you can't let stuff like that happen. I mean, nothing's been proven yet from what I've heard. So they're just all allegations right now, but they just kind of want to avoid any issues going down the road. And, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, though, I think what really just – I think he'd have a job still at Northwestern if he was winning football games. Past couple of years, he just really – he really's not doing him – he's not really supporting himself too much – by not winning games. So that's that's a big issue right now. Uh, they definitely, Northwestern, they're ready to be more of a presence in the Big Ten. With adding USC and UCLA, it's going to be even tougher to become a presence in the Big Ten Conference. So they're, I think they were ready to make a change there in general. So that was kind of their, kind of the door opened up to make a change there because no, Pat Fitzgerald's a great guy, great coach. You don't really want to get rid of a guy like that. But with these allegations stuff, it's just better just avoid any issues and just move forward and get things rolling. So don't blame them there. With talking about USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten, um, some news updates with San Diego State. San Diego State, they ended up, they came out and declared they are moving away from the Mountain West Conference, and which is huge because they have not even been offered a position to the Pac-12 yet. So I think they're doing it in hopes for kind of poking at the Pac-12, like, hey, come on, let us in, let us in. But I heard news also today that San Diego State or the Mountain West, they actually denied their their request or statement that they're leaving the Mountain West. So I don't know if that's actually can happen or not, but as of right now, San Diego State's still in the Mountain West Conference, so nothing has really changed. But they're fighting hard to get into the one of these Power 5 conferences. Personally, if I was San Diego State, I would much rather go Big 12 than Pac-12 because Pac-12 still has not secured any type of media deal and Really, there's a lot of doubt that they're going to get anything that's worth anything. So it's kind of scary to see because this is kind of writing on the wall that 
Pac-12 could be dissolving it, or there might be a chance a lot of teams might be a max mass exodus. A lot of these teams are going to want to leave. And, I mean, with these rumors of Oregon and Washington in talks with the Big Ten, I can definitely see it happening. Uh, we'll, we'll see here. I know they gave them till the end of July, I think what I saw. So Pac-12, a couple more weeks, and then – that's when we really find out if they're going to really just fall apart or grow. They really need to do something to grow. And by growing, they have shown interest in San Diego State. They have shown interest in SMU. And they have shown ish interest in UNLV and a little bit in Boise State. But I saw something today that Boise State is not really a very likable team to get just for the fact that Boise, Idaho is not a very big market and academically it's not the best school, but they are great at football, have been a really just a winning program. So I could see them fit in the Pac-12 pretty well. But SMU is the other big team that I could see slipping into the Pac-12. I I think it'd be great if the Big 12 could snag them up. But I see them going, they could go into the Pac 12 if they end up get, adding some teams. SMU, if you don't know much about SMU, they were big back in the Southwest Conference days. This was years ago. Southwest Conference is one of the bigger conferences, and they ended up dissolving. And a lot of teams that went to the South, that were in the Southwest Conference, ended up being in the Big 12. A lot of those Big 12 teams are ex Southwest Conference people. So SMU, the reason they didn't make it into the Big 12 is because back in the 80s, they got in trouble multiple times, not just once, but multiple times, which led to a big punishment um, of paying their players and paying players to go to their school and play for them. So, which today, I mean, of course, that's legal with the NIL deals and everything. But back in the 80s, that was really frowned upon, basically illegal to do. I mean, not not illegal, but, you know, just you can't do that in the NCAA back then. Just was not possible. So, what they did is <laughs> they did it because they their football program was terrible. So they start paying players, getting these players in. They're winning a bunch of games really quick. And it started sparking some interest for, for, from some people. So they started getting investigated. They got busted, slapped a little slap on the hand, say, hey, don't do that anymore. So they're like, all right, we're not going to do it anymore. Started winning football games again, got investigated, and got caught again for paying even more players. So they actually are one of the few and only teams to ever get the death penalty in college sports. So SMU there for two seasons did not have football and were not allowed to even – I mean, people thought they weren't even going to bring it back, but they ended up bringing it back and went through a bunch of years of trying to rebuild the program, doing it the right way. So they definitely struggled a lot. And during this whole process, no league, no Power 5 conference wanted them. So they were still stuck down low. And, of course, they weren't that great of a football program. So none of the big Power 5 conferences wanted for that anyways. But that's the reason they were kind of left behind amongst all the other teams but they're finally doing it the right way, and 
they are building back a pretty decent football program now. So they are sparking a lot of interest from the Pac-12 and the Big 12 because they got the Dallas market, which is a huge market for TV deals and everything. So Pac-12 especially, they really would like to have SMU. We'll see if they end up giving them an offer or if Pac-12 end up falling apart like that. But that's kind of the big news going on in the college football world right now. But thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. As always, this is your host, Reed Gilson. Tell your friends about us and have them tune in to Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We're on all four of the major podcasting apps. Also, check out our Instagram, Twitter, TikTok pages. We'd appreciate the support. Go ahead, click that follow button, and just click like on our posts. As always, it was another fun week, so hope you all have a great rest of your week, and look forward to speaking to you all again next Wednesday. See you guys.